Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, another beautiful morning, although it was a little chaotic with uh, the weather that we had. If uh, some of you woke up with that wind and uh, rain and uh, uh, someone saying that it was hailing, uh, I didn't get none of that. At least I can't remember anyways at our house, but uh, um, nonetheless, it's sure nice to have moisture and uh, it's good to have it. So uh, I just wanted to, first of all, just tell you guys thank you. Um, we, we was able to work on the, the home yesterday and uh, work on that roof. And to be able to have the funds and the means to be able to do that, to uh, buy all the stuff, and then God bless us with the, the, the skilled people here that, that know how to do that. Um, it was just a huge, um, huge blessing. Um, I thank everybody that showed up yesterday. Uh, and, and again, just the generous giving that uh, you guys all have done. Um, it, 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 it was good. Uh, we didn't get it quite done. Um, we're going to try to maybe uh, mess with it here and there uh, after work and, and maybe a, another weekend. But uh, like genuine, thank, thank you for, for, um, for helping with that, for, for providing. And, and uh, thank you, Lord, for, for an awesome church family. Um, no one got hurt. It, it, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good thing, especially as steep as that roof is. No one got hurt. Um, uh, definitely uh, held onto the rope more than once, but, uh, and, and by the way, cowboy boots, uh, I tried for a good two-thirds of the day. I finally sent Jen. I was like, I need some shoes, but I think I sent her there at 3.30, and we stopped at 5. I, I should have just done it from the start, but uh, note to self, no cowboy boots. And so um, we're going to be reading today in um, the book of Luke. And um, if you guys wouldn't mind turning there, uh, it's going to be in Luke chapter 16, um, and we're going to be going through verses 19 through 31 today. And, and we're really just going to be camping here. Um, there will be a couple other verses that um, um, I may get to, but for the most part, we're going to be camped here. Um, a little bit of where we're at in Luke to kind of give you some context, what's going on. Um, we have Jesus in his ministry. Um, we have Jesus with um, a lot of um, people, followers, um, people that want to hear him. And, and we also have in these, um, in these groups of people, we have um, the Pharisees that are there, um, the teachers of the, of the law, um, and, and they're also in this. So um, again, we, we've got a big group of people that's going on in Jesus' ministry right here. Um, and, and some things that are coming up with the Pharisees that they don't like. Um, and, and, and we see just these different parables of um, Jesus sharing. And, and a parable is, is, a, is a story. And, and Jesus being the master and everything that he does, he's a great storyteller. And, and these parables are, are stories to just cut through everything and, and cut right to our hearts. Um, to, to get the point across quick and easy, no arguing, no trying to, to do anything. It's just a a good way to cut to our heart. And, and Jesus was the master at this. He, he had some great um, parables that um, <laughs> just put things into perspective. And so that's what we're going to be reading today here is, is a parable. Um, so if we're there today, we'll, we'll go ahead and start in, in reading God's word. So Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. It says, there was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, 
who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you a great chasm has been fixed, in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able to, may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. And then, and he said, no, excuse me, I jumped the line. Was I right? And he said, then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they, all, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophet, let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to them, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will, be, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. This is God's word. Please pray with me this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you spoke, Lord, in these, in these parables, these storytellings, to just cut sometimes right to our heart where we needed to hear these things, Father. Um, I pray that we hear what you have to say today, Father. Um, I, I pray that you use me well, Lord, that um, you, you push any fear, anxieties, Lord, away, and that just you come out, Father. Pray for all those that are here today, Father, that um, they hear you, Father, they hear your word. And like always, Lord, we are forever changed by it, Lord, that we just, we grow closer and closer to you and farther and farther away from ourselves, our destructive selves, Father. Again, Lord, thank you for this time, thank you for this service, and thank you for this people, and most importantly, Lord, thank you for you. Amen. So church, we're going to just basically break down this parable and see where the Lord leads us this morning. To be honest with you, it was tough. Um, there's so much theology packed into this one that I got sent off on several different, just I wouldn't call them rabbit trails, but different cases of study and, um, and, and trying to find clarity on where God wanted me to go. And, and I hope and I pray that this is, this is it. Like it had some conviction. Um, there was some conviction up until I got up here um, on, on where I'm at in my life, on, on certain things in my life. And so I hope that that's what, what, what goes on with you guys today is, is we hear things. And if there's things in our lives that God doesn't want, he shows us through these. And if there's things that God has in your life that he wants you to keep, and, and like, I hope we hear that today. So we're going to start on the very first um, verse, which is 19. And it goes, there was a rich man who was clothed, clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. One little, one little show and tell thing. Um, so, in, in studying this, 
trying to get a, an idea of what's going on here and who this man was. Um, we see that we have two guys here, two men, and we're trying to, I was trying to get an idea of who these people were. And so we, we start off this first verse, and we see this man, it, the Bible calls him rich, he was clothed in purple, and uh, he wore fine linen that was, uh, that was dyed in purple, and feasted sumptuously every day. So it broke out, like, how, how rich, like, what, what are we talking about? These are the things that I was diving into. And, and I never knew this, but the color purple, you know, it's, it's um, reserved for, like, royalty, for kings, for, um, for wealth. Well, come to find out, the reason being is purple is very hard, very um, labor-intensive um, to get the dye from. Um, I seen this when I was out praying, and it's uh, a little... Uh, shell of a, like a snail. And, and it dawned on me when I was reading and thinking about this and, and studying this, it took tens of thousands of these to make just a little bit of purple dye. It was very labor intensive. It was reserved for only the wealthy, the kings, people that could do stuff like that, that <laughs> could afford for someone to go and gather all these up, um, find all these, um, extract the purple dye out of them, and use them for clothing. Like it was, it was amazingly complex and hard. This man has that, and not only that, he has it in his fine linen, not his garbage clothes, not his work clothes, but clothes that he has reserved, and he uses it for fine linen. Another indication of of the wealth of this man. We see that he feasted sumptuously every day. I had to go and look that word up, honestly. Uh, sumptuously. In telling great expense, as, as from choice materials, fine work, etc. Costly, sumptuous residence, luxurious, fine, or large, lavish, splendid. A sumptuous feast. Man, not only did this guy eat well, not only did he um, have everything, like, it was displayed in such a manner that it was, it was, um, it, it, it was just luxurious. It, it, was, it was just like this guy, you can tell, w- was kind of stuck on himself, was kind of stuck in, in, um, in his wealth. We turn to the other side, and we see this man, this man named Lazarus. Which, by the way, another fine detail in this study, this is the only parable that a man is actually named. The beggar is named Lazarus. And I think that'll that'll become important as we get into this more. The rich man is not named, just Lazarus is named. So we see in 20, and at this, and at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. This is going to kind of change right here, and this is going to open up probably the main point of the whole sermon. And it may be a little bit early, but this is how God's word come to me, and this is how God's word goes. And so um, I I think we'll see more from it. But something... um, Something started to, to, to make itself known to me in this parable. 
we look beforehand in Scripture, and, and that's kind of why I was trying to give you a little bit of context on who Jesus was talking about. What was going on? He had these crowds of followers. He had um, the, the Pharisees there. And some things were going on right before this. In the same chapter of 16 of Luke, but in verse 14, it says the Pharisees who were lovers of money heard all these things and they ridiculed him. And he said to them, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. So we have the Pharisees hearing this. We also have um, followers that are, are wanting to see who Jesus is at the same time. And then we have this parable. I believe the parable was written, the rich men were the Pharisees, the Jews, the holier-than-holy type people that are thinking they're, they're all that. And I don't know where the phrase comes, but Paige will understand it. All that in a bag of pancakes. Um, it's just a phrase that uh, weirdness Tony and uh, our daughters have. Um, they wanted the attention. They wanted, they, they, they wanted the, the seats at the heads of the table. They wanted that, that attention on them. They wanted that wealth. They wanted all these things. And I, I think that can be us. So, so I, I, was, I was going through this message, and I was, I was listening to how God was presenting this, and, and it come like, can we be the same type of person? Can we be, can the church be that way? Can we be clothed in purple, fine linen, we feast on the word of God daily, we're so blessed that it's beyond measure, and, and we see the poor laid outside our doors, outside our gates. Um, people that struggle with addictions, people that, um, that are just having a tough time. Could we be that rich man who was clothed in purple? That's where things started to change, is when God started talking to me like that. Like, are you, are we that way? And, and it comes back to that one. I'm going out and, and pursuing that one who God has put on our hearts, or the many who God put on our hearts. It depends on where you're at, what's going on. But as that started to come through, more and more of this parable started to hit me in a different way. And, and the more you study this parable, there's, there's many different areas you can go down with some, with some highlights. But this is the one that um, was literally changed this morning for me. Um, Could we have people laying outside with sores who desire to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table? People outside these doors covered with sores, covered in sin, covered in addiction, covered in whatever. They desire something else. They desire to be fed life. They know this can't be life. This, this, um, this existence out there of uh, pain, suffering, um, just different things. 
And, and could they be just looking for the crumbs that fall from our table? We are so overly blessed with what God has shown us, with what God has given to us, and knowing Him, and having His Word given to us, and allowing us to understand it. But do we just feast on it sumptuously every day while people are dying? While people are covered in sores? Namely, sin. And again, they ultimately desire to be fed. They're sitting outside our doors. Man, that's a hard sermon. Uh, there's a lot of quietness out there. Um, as we're going on here, there, there's more things that come up. It says, moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. Again, using this as a parable, I think the Pharisees would have caught this instantly. I think the Pharisees would have caught on to the dogs came and licked his sores. The dogs being the Gentiles. So how did this, how, how would you even, like, that, that's how um, the Gentiles were looked at by the Israelites in some ways. Um, they were looked as um, people without a belief in the true God. Um, they only concerned with themselves with the here and now and, and didn't understand what they were actually made for. They had forgotten where they had come from. They had their pagan gods, their pagan religions, and, and again, it was just for the here and now. And I, and I think about our puppy dogs, our dogs that we have at our home. They are, they are a part of the, our family, as, as weird as that may sound to some. They're, they're um, very loyal animals, very good dogs. But at the end of the day, I think dogs only care about the here and now. I don't think they think about tomorrow. Um, they don't plan for tomorrow. Their, their main thing is, is, do I got food now in my bowl, water in my bowl, and is Tony, Jen, or Paige, or Ashley around? Other than that, they don't think about tomorrow. And we're not that way. We're, we are not animals. We have more than that. So we have here, moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. I believe the, the Pharisees would have took that and like, what do you mean? So we have people out there sick, um, hurting, um, addicted, all these different things. And we have um, things that are, we'll just say that, like, I'm sure... God in his infinite wisdom and his um, grace that he, he gives to all, uh, the, the general grace, I'm missing the word I'm looking for, but um, we have like the food banks, we have the, the Red Cross, we have all these different areas that's going out and, and, and um, helping people that are hurt, helping people that are broke, that have no affiliation with um, Jesus in a, in a lot of ways. They're kind of like the Gentiles. They're the ones that are going out they're ministering to this Israelite that is, that is hurting with sin, that is struggling. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. Non-believers, non-Christians are going out and helping people in the world more than us, more than Christians, more than people that are supposed to be after the lost, the broken, the hurt. 
I think that's where this would have hit a Pharisee and hopefully hit us as the, as the church. Are others doing what we're called to do that don't even know God? Moving on to 22. It goes, The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. I wish I had more into this. I didn't have enough time to study this deeply. Be nice one day, Jen Carter, to sit with you on some of this stuff. Um, but from what uh, the studies that I was allowed and, and what my knowledge is, is, is we're going to see we got Abraham's side, which Abraham is, is the, the, the father of many nations. He was um, a man faithful to God. He obeyed and it was credited, accredited to him righteousness. So to be on Abraham's side would be to be a place on God's side, a place with God. Um, and then we have Hades, a place of darkness, a place of death, Sheol, the grave, not on Abraham's side. If you dive into some of this study, we have, like, so Jesus came after a lot of people have already been on the earth and uh, had passed away. There's a place where those people go. And it's talked about here, Abraham's side and Hades. Why they were there, and, and um, while Jesus came and done what he said, and we, we see things in Scripture that show that we have a second death, that there is more to this than the Old Testament guys um, died, and then Jesus come and, and showed themselves to him. If we look in Revelation 20, 12 through 15, it goes like this, And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. We also read in John 14, 1 through 3, we see Jesus telling us that he's going to prepare for us our second home. Let not your hearts be troubled. Be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Jesus is coming back. 
Jesus is coming back and rescuing us. Um, he's taken us from Abraham's side to basically heaven, the new heaven, the, the area that Jesus is preparing for us now. We also have this place of Hades. Not a very lovely place, to say the least. But I have a sense that the second death, the eternal lake of fire, is worse. That's where we see the poor man died and, and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. That, I hope that gives you a little bit of backdrop to some of that. The rich man also died and was buried, and in Hades being in torment. And lifting up his eyes, he saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. So here we see that he was, a, he was an Israelite. <laughs> he says, Father Abraham. You wouldn't do that if you didn't have that that chosen one, the, the background of being an Israelite. But notice here, have mercy on me and, says, and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. I see this as the starting of something sad that I've never caught before. That even in hell, we choose ourselves over God, or we choose the um, not the not the uh, eternal. He doesn't ask for to be freed to get out. He doesn't show any type of repentance. He doesn't show anything that shows that he, like he's just looking for uh, something to temporarily take the pain away. Dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue. He's also in this train of thought, send Lazarus. Not this, let me go and talk to Abraham or let me go talk. No, you send Lazarus down here to quench my thirst, to, to cool my, my tongue. Started, started seeing some of this, this lostness, this addiction talk that, that was presented to me this week. Like we see when we're addicted to something, we have a different take on reality, on what the truth is. And believe it or not, I think we're all addicted to something. We all worship something. You know, it may not be to the, to the form of um, maybe alcohol or uh, a chewing habit, things like that. But it could be in our pleasures, our, our comforts. What if, what if something gets taken away? Do we get angry? If somebody imposes on that time that we may have with something, that, that's almost a, a surefire well to, or a sure 
way to see that we maybe worship or we have an addiction to something. And I think as we go through these addictions and it starts tearing us down and, and we, we focus more and more on that, I think we have a broken sense of reality. I think you see that in the rich man. They have this broken sense of reality. That I just need the here and now. I don't need the eternal. I just need this pain gone today. And let me get back on with my life. This poor man, so self-absorbed. Me, 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 I, I, I. Send someone to help me, but don't expect me to do anything. Again, no repentance. He's still blind by his sin. But Abraham said, child, remember that in your lifetime you received good things and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in anguish. So this man, this rich man, he received what he thought was the good things. He received what he thought was the good life. Uh, wealth, riches, uh, pride, prestige, power. Um, things that he thought that were valuable. And if you go in that same of concept of thinking, and in like manner, Lazarus received bad things. He didn't have the wealth. He didn't have the food. He didn't have those things. So if you look in those terms, he had the bad things. But now he is comforted here, comforted here, and you are in anguish. The, the beggar, the, the poor man, all he wanted was God. Nothing else mattered. He, that's what you see him standing outside. That's where I think if you see the addicted people, they don't like where they're at. They want something different. Now, do people know that all the time? Do people admit that? No, but deep down, are they happy with where they're at in, in their addiction? No. God, I had a train of thought, and I lost it. I'll go with just one of my notes here to, to, to get my head going again. You, you, you see all this, and you see that what, or what the rich man is saying. The question come to me, are we, just, are we just wanting God's goodness, but not God? Do we want his general goodness that he gives us every day, but nothing to do with God? So does that rich man really want God? No? What does he want? Himself? Just for him to be his own God? But he wants the good things from God. But when he says, he, like, you can't have both. Like, you either get God or you get no God. You get what you think is God, which is yourself, which is a horrible God. It goes on and it says, besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm, chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass away from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. That great 
chasm. Sin. God cannot be around it. God can't be anywhere close to it. He's holy. He's perfect. One last point here on, on this rich man. We see some more heart, some more twisted reality. And he said, then I beg you, Father, to send him, Lazarus, to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that, that, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Send Lazarus again. Don't, don't ask me to do anything. Do you get the impression, though, that there's a little bit of blame shifting here? If I only knew what you wanted, I wouldn't be here. Go give my brothers a chance. Go warn them. Warn them. They've had all the warning in, in the world. Like, so what do you want me to do? You want me to go scare them? You want me to go back and tell them these things and ultimately you're going to end up here in hell? Is that really coming to Christ though? Or are you just, again, going through this thing about me, 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 I, I, I? Are you doing the good works that God calls us to do because ultimately you don't want to go to hell? You really don't want to know him. You don't want nothing to do with him. It's about you, again, in a twisted form. This poor man even being in this place of torment. Still no repentance. Still thinks that he was wronged, even though he's getting exactly what he wanted. To be his own God, no God. Be in a place without God. Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. We have this. Do we hear them? Do we seek them? Do we read this? God's word, what does it say? God's word shows us who God is, who we are, and what God wants. But again, we can say, well, we just need more. We need a miracle. That's what this man's saying. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to them, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. What does that sound like? Sound like Jesus and what he did and the many that seen the many lives that were transformed because of this? We still have people that don't believe. There's so much out there to show the truth of what happened 2,000 years ago. It's not hidden. And we still have people that claim it as a folklore or a storytelling. And 
in the conclusion, I have to go back to the same thing as I started with. You hear all this, you read all this. Are we the rich man? Are we lavishly sitting in God's grace? Driving to church, driving wherever, seeing others in pain, seeing others fighting whatever they're fighting, whatever addiction they're fighting, be it, again, there's so many, and, and we, we think of addiction instantly as, a, as, a, as a, some sort of a drug abuse, and we'll, there's so many different um, addictions. And, and again, that's where we need to ask God to help us look inwardly. What are we addicted to? What are we focused on? Hopefully it's him, but if it's not, like, are we asking, asking genuinely? There's people out there that are just wanting the crumbs of what we have. And we just walk on by. If that is us, I pray for us to wake up. If you're awoke and you see any of us sleeping, please slap us. Let's move. Let's hold each other accountable. Let's walk together. Let's share our crumbs. But more importantly, let's share the whole meal. The meal that has so graciously been given to us. I don't want to grow um, fat on that. And honestly, I think I, I feel I have. Like, I need, I, need, I need prayer for this, you guys. Like, I need repentance in this. Um, Nick, you talked about that several, several times last week. Like, the more you think about this, the more that I am consumed in a lot of ways in Tony land. Like, it's a, it's a, it's a hard reflection to, to sit back and, and think about. But th there's a lot of truth to that. No, I, I just, I, I, I pray for you all. I pray for myself that we all can just honestly look in the mirror and ask God to give us the strength to see him clearly. To value what really matters. You know, I don't know why, but this was at the first, but I'm just going to hopefully quickly bring it up. At work all the time, we talk about value added. What do we do that adds value? And they got this video of an axle that's being built in cat manufacturing. And it shows how many times this axle was touched and moved and built on and stored, and moved, and built on, and stored, and moved. And the whole object of that, that video is that axle ended up moving something like 15,000 feet. It was touched by 22 employees, and it was moved to something like five different buildings. And they asked in that, how much of that was value added? The same thing just a few minutes ago, uh, well, 
an hour or so ago. What do we do that doesn't bring value to God's kingdom? That was a question that, that hit me. This rich man, clothing himself in purple and fine linen, if no one was around, if no one seen that man, if no one could see him, if he was all by, him, by himself on a deserted island, would that purple matter? Would that fine linen matter? Would him feasting with elegant dishes, uh, candles, whatever, would those matter if he is by himself? So I come to Tony, what do you do daily that's like value added to God's kingdom? Without making this go to a works-based ugliness, a love-based, what do I do in a, in a weird thought that how my head works that, that is value to God's kingdom? Do I go around and do some of these things? Do I, you know, um, am, am I worried about this, clothing myself in purple, fine linen, for others to see? Things like that. Those are the things that are, that are convicting my heart this morning on, on what, what am I doing for the Lord and what am I doing for Tony Land? Um, church, that, that's the end of what I got. But I pray and I ask for your prayers. My Tony Land is real. Um, I struggle with Tony Land every day. And uh, I need help in that, to be honest with you. Um, it's not easy. Um, I'm thankful that God is, is walking with me um, solely and convicting my heart. Um, but uh, I do pray for that. And, and uh, I pray for you all as well. And in that, let's pray. Um, Father, this message, this whole sermon series on who's our one. I pray, Lord, that first that we can honestly look at ourselves to be able to witness to the sick in a healthy way. I pray for those today here, Father, that, that struggle with, uh, with um, addiction, with worship of something more, more, <laughs> with worship of something other than you, Father. with worship of, of death, Father. Without you, we have no life. Lord, I pray that we remember that. I pray that, that we have life in you, that, that we understand that, that everything else we have around us is nothing without you, Father. I pray for that truth in our hearts. I pray for that truth in the one or the two or three or the many that we are ministering to, Father. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you for this message. I thank you for your life and your love. Amen.